With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to this week's edition of Sports Blogger Radio, brought to you by FanJunkies.net. I'm your host, John Larry, and with me is always Scott O'Bruni. Today we're going to be talking about Celtics in the playoffs and some Bruins and Red Sox. Today we're going to be also joined by our good friend Yoni Sternberg from the blog. Uh, he's going to be dropping some knowledge on us about the Celtics, because that's what he does. He's like like a genius when it comes to that stuff. Scott, what's going on, my man? Nothing. Just in the middle of, or I'm about to be in finals week next week, so I'm just bracing myself doing work. Uh, last week was crazy. This week is also crazy. Craziness, craziness. How are you doing? How was your trip in Florida? Did you get lost in Disneyland and have to call your mom? I did not get lost in Disneyland. However, I did call my mom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. And without further ado, uh, Yoni, you're on the line. What's going on, my man? How you doing? How you doing, man? What's going on? Uh, not much. I just want to start talking about, uh, this, this two game deficit that the uh, Celtics have found themselves in. And, uh, I was hoping if you're cool with this, we could start with game one since we, uh, didn't have a chance to talk last week and if we could, uh, work from there. Sure, man. So, um, what spot, like what bright spots, if any, did you see in game one from the Boston? I mean, obviously we lost the game, but like, did you see any, um, any bright spots, any optimistic kind of, uh, things that we could take away from this game? Uh, well, the first half was, uh, was, you know, the, the bright spot. Um, <clears throat> Jeff Green scored 20 points, uh, which is what we need from him. If, if we're going to keep I was, winning. Yeah. I, I was actually going to ask you that, that Jeff Green needs to be solid in this, in this series for us to go ahead and move forward. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely, I mean, all season long, he's been our team's biggest X factor. I mean, if he's on, he scored 20, uh, I'm sorry, he scored 45 points against Miami without KG or Pierce in the lineup. Yeah, which, that was a game we should have had. Yeah, so, I mean, if we have any, you know, hope of winning, he's got to step up and not be invisible. So, yeah, three points in the first half and then six in the second half, that's really not what you want from someone who should be helping you win a, win a game. So. Right. Well, well that, goes that? Along, that goes along with Jason Terry as well, you know? He's, what, yeah, Jason, Jason named playoff Terry, right? Scores uh, 0 for 5 in 20 minutes. That's that's all for someone who is supposed to, you know, turn everything on in the playoffs. So I, I, have, a, I have a question. Were the, sh- the Celtics shooting woes in the, the – Second half of game one, were those due to the Knicks defense or were those due to like us just struggling on offense? Well, so I mean, Celtic, you know, Celtics play team basketball really a lot now because Rondo isn't around. Ah, you proved my point. Yeah, (laughs) without, you know, any type of real point guard. I mean, we don't have a point guard. We've, no one on our team is actually drafted as a point guard. So, Avery Bradley's not a point guard? 
Well, all right. So I, if you consider him to be a point guard, I, I accept that. But no one who knows how to handle the ball like a point guard should know how to handle the ball is a point yeah. guard on our team. I would say Avery Bradley's pretty uh, careless when it comes to – I mean, so I was watching – like I said, I was watching some of the the, uh, the game one there. and Some of the passes he was making, it, it, it was like I was on the court. You know, yeah, he was just lobbing it. You yeah, know, but you can't play nearly – Yeah, but you can't play defense like Avery Bradley. Like, he's a shutdown guy. He's a great player. Like, maybe he's made a couple – maybe he's not Rajon Rondo, but he's still doing what the Celtics need him to do. For for a certain period of time, but then he'll make he'll make lapses. I mean, he'll throw the ball in from half court to you know the post to KG. I mean, that's gonna get stolen. It it got stolen by Raymond Felton. You know how tall he is? How tall is Raymond Felton? KG, he's six eight. (laughs) (laughs) That's 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 exactly my point. Like. Avery Bradley, I mean, he shows like oh, right, exactly. Avery Bradley is quick, and I mean, you you see it. He'll make defense. He'll make cuts to the basket and get easy looks. So you'll see like great plays, and then he'll make he'll make dumb passes, and you just you can't have that. That's not a point guard. So so how did um what did you say what do you have to say about the play from our big guys Pearson Garnett the guys the our Wiley veterans how did how do you think they kind of played. Well, so in the first game, they they did what they could. Um, I mean, you know, uh, Garnett ended up posting a double double. Pierce did really what he could. He ended up having eighteen. But I mean, you, you can't you can't expect them to do everything. The, the captain also had five turnovers. I mean, five turnovers for someone who's supposed to be leading the team is is not really helpful, mm-hmm. especially considering if if you expect him to lead the team and he's trying to uh, spread the floor and, and no one else is helping him out. I mean, he can't do it all himself. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so what, what's the what's the big concern then? I, I know that our bench wasn't playing very well, like wasn't playing well at all. Um, what, what's what's the biggest concern that you saw from Game One that the Celtics kind of showed? Well, so I mean, bench benches in general, um, just in terms of the playoffs, aren't really you know a thing. They don't really happen very often. They don't really come to play because generally you keep in the starters and then there are like one or two people who coaches sub in and out. So for instance, the Knicks have J.R. Smith and, and, uh, and Kmart who they generally take in and out, but, um, J.R. Smith's a beast. Yeah. yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. Like we, we don't have anyone to stop him or, or mellow. So yeah, it's unfortunate. But so in game one, hopefully they learned that the 25% shooting with 25 points, in the second half, doesn't really help you win a game, especially in the playoffs. Basketball one hundred and one, right there. Right. Me, uh, so that's and then, and then, unfortunately, in game two, second half, they come out and hit twenty-three points on nineteen percent shooting. Oh my god! They got worse. Yoni, let me ask you a question. Um, you know, since their championship run in was it oh eight, right? Um, what is lacking on their defense? Is it is it are we are we missing Kendrick Perkins? Are we you know are we missing vital pieces, or what's the deal? Why why is our defense like lacking right now? Well, so I mean, first of all, you got to give credit to Carmelo Anthony. I mean, he's always going to be a beast. So, I mean, he can jack up thirty shots, but if he hits even ten of them, I mean, he'll also go to the line. So, you know, count him in for at least twenty or thirty points. But yeah, I mean, well, that's. He's going to get his points. That's that's pretty much 
Well, right, but all you can ask the Celtics to really do is, like, space the floor and, and know when to step up and rotate on defense and, you know, take charges when you should. And, I mean, without KG on the floor, it, they they just look lost. Right. It's sad. So is, our, so is our problem more of an offensive problem than a defensive problem? Absolutely. I mean, I, I think the defense has been relatively strong. I mean, even with... Cage, I mean, okay, so the the Celtics, uh, you know, have held uh, opposing teams to about 90, 90, 95 ever since Avery Bradley came back. And the Knicks score an average of 105 points, and we held them to under that except for in game two. So, I mean, holding them to 85 points is impressive. But considering we can't go over 80 points, that's, you know, that's a we we need to find an offense. Yeah. So so let's 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 talk um so that's kind of game 1. Let's talk game 2. Now game 2 was uh way worse than game 1. Um you so, think they would step it up and they they just they left they like let them win. I don't know. So so what like what, what was what are your what are your big takeaways in general from from game 1? Like uh what what did the Celtics do poorly? What did they do well? What did the Knicks like what? What did they do well with? Um, like what? Are, what are the big things that we should that we should know about game two? Well, so I mean, it was all about uh, for for the Celtics. It was all about KG getting into foul trouble. Um, That's always the problem. Yeah, I would say KG is <sighs> with eight minutes left in the first quarter. Oh my god! So I mean, playing four minutes and picking up. Two fouls. That's really unfortunate. And then picking up another one about five minutes after you come in. He played 24 minutes. So I, if you want your All Star to, you know, actually get you some uh, some points and some defense, then he needs to play more than 24 minutes. So is that the Knicks acknowledging that their strong that the Celtics' strong point is Garnett and going after it? It's uh, so yes. Give them credit. They certainly, uh, you know, planned for him getting the ball more and making sure that he didn't get get the ball where he wanted. But it was also, once he got out, once he went out with his fouls, he really lost his rhythm. And when he came back, he wasn't stepping up the way he should have been. And, I mean, he'll shoot from 25 feet out, and really he, he can hit it sometimes, but really not very often. And, unfortunately, we needed to hit it. And he's not he's not knocking him down. So if he yeah. steps in, you know, there's always that chance. But he's really he's relentless. He wants to hit his own shot, and he doesn't really like, you know, stepping in. He just wants to do whatever. He likes to fade away when he shouldn't be fading away. I don't know. Yeah, it's like what? All right. So in your in your uh, opinion, who do you think needs to step it up? One person, oh. the whole team? Oh, everyone, absolutely. So I'm uh, Brandon Bass has only scored four points for the Celtics in both of these games. Four points in one, four points in two. Um, Avery Bradley has really lost his his defensive step that he had in game one. I I think he really lost it, especially in the second half um, in game two. And, like, Jeff Green just just needs to, to do better. I don't, like, he hit 20 points in the first half of game one, came out with six in the second half, and ends it with ten points in game two. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. That's that's a, like wild inconsistency. That's been the kind of the story of him, I think, a little bit. Um, he's kind of like the X factor, and it, 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 a lot of the games depend on whether he shows up or not. You know. 
Yeah, and, you know, you, you see him make these moves to the basket, and you think, like, why aren't you doing this every single time? It looks like you can. <laughs> Go to your home. Do it. It's obviously, it's obvious he can, and you know he'll make the shot or he'll get the foul, and it's just he doesn't. He's not aggressive, and he needs to be. Well, that's I. I, well, I don't know if it was like uh, midway through the year, or whatever. I remember KG basically saying to Jeff Green that he needed to like stop being so nice. And I don't know if those were the the correct <laughs> words, but. <laughs> You know, do you remember that? I, or that's my, not like PG. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is, Jeff Green is is a nice guy, and unfortunately, you can't really uh, let people push you around. I mean, in in game one, the first half, when he hit all those shots, uh, you know, Mello wasn't really getting up on him, and then in the second half, Mello was really aggressive on defense, and you know, Jeff Green just let it happen, and you can't do that. You got to get up into him, and you got to put the ball up, make sure he fouls you. Right. If you know, if you're not going to be aggressive, then it's sort of useless, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I agree. If I agree. Go up and like, why play? Yeah. Well, that's kind of discouraging. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. With that being said, and do you, do you see the uh, do you see the Celtics winning this series? Do you no, see him getting oh, well, let's let's go one game at a, let's go one game at a time. Do you see the Celtics picking like up? To. Well, yeah, let's just say that. But I mean, the bench at least got their uh, got their stuff together in game two. So I mean, Jason Terry and Jordan Crawford combined for fourteen points in the first half. So that's better than zero in game one. So here's here's um here's my question. And I know we're just we're I know the bench is doing well and that's encouraging. I know the big the, the theme that I've seen here is um doing well the first half from the field and then falling off almost completely in the second half. And that's happened both games. Yeah. Um what what do the what do the Celtics need to correct in their game to have a shot at winning game 3 at home? Um you know what 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 is the adjustment they really need to make, or is it just like an emotional kind of thing? Do they need to get in the game, or is there something that they could actually, you know, start? You know, what what needs to be done? Well, I mean, they need to get you know some type of an offensive game going because it, it's you know they, it's clear that it's going in the first half of each game. I mean, they were up at you know in both games. So so first. why so what has been is it been shooting trouble? Has it been foul trouble? Has it been um, defensive lapses, like oh. it's, it's you know honestly, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, you'll see a defensive lapse, and you'll see someone uh, not like you know rotate late, and you know an easy dunk for for someone like Kevin Martin, and then there will be a you know a transition basketball, and someone will throw it away, um, or try to make you know a pass that shouldn't be made, and it'll end up with a three on the other end, and you know if if the if they have any chance of winning. You know, their base got to step up. I mean, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Jeff Green, and Jason Terry, they all need to come to the game and really show up and, and stop uh, – not not only stop defensively, but get, uh, get offensive looks that aren't uh, obvious. So if they go to Kevin Garnett, they need to work the ball around and continue to move the ball, which but- they – failed to do in both halves of, of game one and game two. But do you think that the Celtics have the tools to win? Like, do you think that they could definitely, I mean, I, I, I would Absolutely, like to. Absolutely, for sure. For sure. Not, I mean, the thing is, I, like, everyone on the team can score. That's why the Celtics were such a threat. 
because, you know, the point is that if they move the ball and they look for the open man, everyone can score. You'll see every Bradley hit corner threes. You'll see Jordan Crawford hit like a transition shot. I mean, Paul Pierce has always been, you know, the truth, right? He'll, he'll always come up big. Well, uh, move the ball if you don't work it around and actually cut and like look for the open man. You know, the offense isn't going to work out. I mean, 19% shooting, that is literally the worst franchise record, franchise percentage shooting that they've ever had. So so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Give us something, Yoni. <laughs> I'm saying there's a chance if if they step up their game. And I mean they're going to, they're going home, so they're 27 and 13 in comparison to 14 and 27 on the road. So they're they're mu- obviously they're much better at home. Their defense has, has definitely been solid. I mean they've kept the Knicks under 90 points and keeping them keeping them at bay is you know all they can really ask for, considering their three point shots aren't falling. That's really that's all you can hope for. So so I guess. Just, just um, seeing as we're starting to wind down this conversation, do you see is is there a, a possibility that if the Celtics could pick up one or two at home, that they can they can draw this series out to to seven games? Absolutely, the Celtics have always been a resilient team, um, and especially, I mean, you know, you you got these veterans, you got Jason Terry, Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce, all of whom have been in this situation before. Um, so, you know, they're coming out mad, uh, and they're coming out at home and the way the series is set up, it's spaced. So there aren't really, uh, you know, game after game, it's, you know, you have to wait a few days to play. So there's really no way to pick up momentum. So, you know, if they step up their game and and do well at home, then they, they can absolutely win the series and pull it out. Well, you as heard Ke- it first, people. As no Kevin, saying that they can do it. As Kevin Garnett once said, anything is possible. That's true. <laughs> he did. He did. All right, Yoni. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, hopefully, for Boston's sake, that the uh, Celtics will go ahead and fix their fix their wrongs. Um, yeah, let's hope. So. Thanks, Yoni. Hopefully, we can get you on next time to talk about uh, games three and four. four. So. Yeah. Sounds good, man. All right, dude. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Take Brad. it easy, buddy. Thank you. Awesome, Yoni. That was that was a good interview, man. Appreciate that. Uh, so we're gonna go ahead and move on to Bruno uh, Bruins talk now. Uh, Scott, uh, the Bruins one for six this month, entire month of April so far. Oh well, no, no one one and six in the last seven. They won a couple early April, but it's nothing to write home about. They they beat easy teams to beat and. And their last six, the last seven games, they're one and six. They've been outscored nine to eighteen in their losses. They beat the Panthers three to zero, but that's basically playing like pee wee hockey. And I'm, yeah, it's like playing against <laughs> pee wee hockey. No offense to my Florida fans, I know that, especially you, Greg Goldstein. I know that you're out there listening somewhere. Um, no offense to your Panthers, but they kind of are not having a. You know, they're not. They're, they are not good this year. It's pee wee hockey, basically, for the Bruins. But I mean, I, I, but you know, the Bruins are not playing like NHL an NHL playoff ready team either right now. So No, they are playing terrible. I, I they are I don't understand how they could play how they played last year. And they were so dominant in the third period, so dominant on defense, and this year they just give the puck up like it's like a damn beach ball. I don't get it. <laughs> um, I think well, 
It's tough. It's tough, man. I think that I've seen some some good things and some bad things. I think that the, some of the losses leading up to the Flyers loss, I think that we were showing signs of gradual improvement. And I think that we were I think that we were honestly playing like eh, we're getting better and better. But I think that Zdeno Chara before the uh the Flyers game actually said something along those lines that we've been getting we've been finding our game a little bit. Flyers uh they I don't know how to sugarcoat it. They basically just destroyed us um, from the drop of the puck to the the ending whistle. Um, yeah, there was – I mean, if you're talking about um, Tuesday night's game, there was nothing good to take of it, nothing at all. No, so uh, – Like, I mean, I get that it's uh, it's the end of the year. Um, excuse me. It's That's it's not getting, an excuse, though. That's it's not. not it's this not is, an excuse. That's exactly right. It's not an excuse. This is, this is the time that they should be probably playing lights out. They need that momentum like we talked you know before uh before the show they need that momentum to get in you know when they're in the playoffs to play like the champions that we know they can be they they are they are way better team than what they're putting out right now oh oh, without a doubt i think that and like you said i believe that peter shrelly today in an interview said like this isn't a switch that we can just turn on like either we're playoff ready or like you know, we're we're not, and if we're not playoff ready, then like it's gonna go bad. Which it, you know, ugh, hope it, they got to turn it around. They got to do something. Um, I think our next game is against Tampa Bay, so that should be fluffy and not so hard to do. Um, well, well then again, but see, the, the yeah, you night, know, yeah, you, you know, Tuesday you're right. night should have been should have been a not so hard game against the Flyers, and the Flyers, you know, obviously the Flyers don't have anything to play for, but they went ahead and mopped the floor with us. It, it's uh, yeah, if you make Dan Ellis look like a good goaltender, you're doing something wrong. Well, that's I mean, he, he was and he was he was stopping pucks that you know, some of the shots that that uh, he was facing, they should have gone in. You know what I mean? But he was stopping them like he was like, you know, an all-star. Oh, hold on, correction, it wasn't Dan Ellis. Who was it? Who's that backup goaltender that no one's ever heard of? <laughs> um I couldn't tell you, man, honestly. I know it wasn't uh, Bruce Gallo, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It was uh, Steve Mason. Yeah. That's it. Thinking... Ma- that's it. Mason. And Alice. Dan Alice, where is he from? I think he's from Carolina. I don't know. But anyway, again, some, you know, Steve Mason. Anyone who looks, who makes look, makes Steve Mason look good. Like, you're doing something wrong. And I, I think that we should talk about, uh, you know, what what are the good, if anything, that what are the good things that we've seen and what are the bad things we've seen? I want to talk about the bad, the most prominent bad thing that I've seen is just a complete lack of urgency from Milan Lucic. Yeah, Milan Lucic has really got to get his game going. He, I don't know what it is lately. I don't know if uh, you know he's got a little junk in the trunk or something or what. I mean, he just can't seem to. He's, he's like a trunk. Yeah, he's good. We're talking about like Beyonce or something. No, I'm talking about pooping his pants or something like that. I don't know. He can't move quickly. Let's go. You know. Well, not only that, but he's just like carelessly kind of gliding and not really passing that well. Like he's not really putting effort into his game. And I don't know if this is a fatigue thing. If it's not, then like sit sit him down. Like I don't care. He was uh, well. That's he was a healthy scratch a couple games ago, from what I heard. I mean, with the way that Soderbergh's been playing, like, that, you know, that's fine. That's – I don't – here's the thing. Milan Lucic, he – when he is on top of his game, 
The, there's no other player like him. Yeah, he's like, one of the best power forwards in the league when he's on the best. Of, when he's on that's the, it. You know, other pl- other players fear him, and but if he's not skating, if he's not like you know bashing guys and, and breaking glass and stuff like that, then he is just a fluff of air. Not only that, but he's not making good decisions. Like he's usually a pretty um, with the Horton and Krejci line. They usually have pretty good puck movement, and like whenever Luch gets the puck, it's kind of like he. You know, I saw a couple plays that I was watching. It was. Uh, nationally televised, I think, the Philadelphia game, they had this, like, montage of bad Milan Lucic plays, and they were just, like, every time I saw them, I was like, like, this kid looks like he could be, you know, like, D3, like, club hockey, like, nothing, <coughs> doesn't know what he's doing. It was just, it was bad, and, you know, it's it bad, sucks yeah. to see because he's one of our players that we need to play his role in order to be successful. The Bruins need physical, gritty play. They need that kind of, like, Milan Lucic, like, spark. And we're not yeah. getting that. And the first line, we got Hordy out because he was dumb and picked a fight with somebody, Aginla, which I'm all for, Aginla getting his ass kicked. But, like, you know, choose someone other than this guy who's had a concussion history. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's but that's my opinion. I don't know. Um, like, you know, throw, throw Gregory Campbell in there. He'll be, he'd, he'd size up against him good. But, uh, um, well, I mean, taking from, uh, like I said, I, I wasn't able to really watch some of the games when I was uh, on, on vacation or anything like that. But I did watch Tuesday's game, and you know, taking some of the bright spots out of there. I mean, so- Sodenberg and Yager and yeah, Campbell. Soderberg, you know, these guys—they're—they're they're, they're making a great pair. I, I like what I'm seeing there. They and I think that the announcer said this best. I can't remember. It might have been Milbury. I don't know. Some some dumb NBC reporter. Um, he said these guys have looked like they've been playing for you know a few years now. Yeah, well, and, that's, I mean, you got the young talent, you got the old talent, and they're like, they're they're clicking, and that's a good thing. Yeah, and people, I mean, we talked about this a couple times on the show, people are always like, oh, Yager's not the friendliest guy, and like, you see every, after every play, they're talking, like, they're they're talking a lot, actually, they're talking more than I've seen, I, we were noticing that the Brad Marchand Yager thing was working out, but like, yeah. Soderberg Yager is working out real well, I think that's going to be... You know, we were complaining about how the third line wasn't doing anything, and now our third line could be our, I mean, could be our more dominant line or one of our more dominant lines because the the Milan Lucic line is essentially, for all intents and purposes, dead. Like, if they don't have Milan Lucic, who is our big role player, not playing, you know, it it, it defeats, it it kills the line. So Yeah, exactly. But there's my Milan Lucic rant. But, yes, I think that Soderberg and Jager playing well – I mean, if you go back to Tuesday's game, it was kind of just an unraveling from everyone. everybody. Yeah, like, I'm gonna say, I, you know, the other the other small bright spot, and I, I know he's an older guy, is uh, Whedon. Wade Redden. Wade Redden. I'm sorry. Yeah, Wade Redden. I thought, uh, you know, what? I think he can bring some experience to the team. I, I don't think he's a bad player. I no, mean, I don't think he's a player at all. I mean, I think it was a pretty good pickup. No, absolutely. You know? I think that the the St. Louis Blues when. They saw Wade Redden. I think he was playing like uh, AHL. They saw how determined he was to get back, and um, I think that they they like they acknowledged how helpful this could be. And when they picked him up, I think it was a good move by them. And when the Bruins got him, I thought it was a great move by them because we, you know, we've been having some blue line inconsistencies and injuries. We've been seeing how Ference has been playing inconsistently. We've been seeing how um, McQuaid has been dealing with injuries, and you know, it's never a bad thing to have an extra defenseman. And I think that. Redden uh, had a great game uh, Tuesday against the Flyers, and I think that he's a determined player. I think he's a very um, – He's hungry. 
he's hungry. He doesn't maybe have the skill set, but he is so hungry and he wants it. So well, that's I mean, if you think about it, that's how the Bruins won in 2011. Oh, you're absolutely hungry. right. Yeah, they were hungry for it, and I just it, it seems like they're. I mean, they're 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 in hockey. There's no excuses, so they just need to step their game up. Um, but no, I think that Wade Redden had a great game. I think that Soderbergh had a great game. I think that Yager played well. I think that Yager has been consistently one of the best Bruins on the ice. Yager, I, I don't know, I don't know too much about hockey. I'm, I'll admit that the thing that I see about Yager though, he creates so much space on the ice for other players. It's you could drive a truck through it, and it's great. It, it, it's exactly what these guys needed. Um, I, I honestly hope, and I, maybe I'm wishful thinking, but I hope that I. He'll go ahead and he'll maybe sign him maybe another year or two with us because I think if they don't make it all the way, then having his skill set another year would be fantastic. But at the same time, I feel like he's going to be less motivated to, to resign. Maybe I don't know. I think he's going for championships at this point because his his career is already illustrious enough. I think he's he's got to know that he's on a legit team in order to resign. So maybe this is the legit team he's been working for. You know, he did stints with um. Philadelphia and then Dallas and they aren't really legit teams and uh maybe this that's, is... well that's I mean I don't know I don't know what it is but it, like I, you know, we haven't seen him too often um when he was playing on other teams unless they played the Bruins but he just seems he just seems happy to be here he really does you should have seen him when he played on the Pittsburgh Penguins that was the that was when he was a beast yeah um, well, but he was with the Lemieux right Mario yeah Lemieux. yeah but um, for a little bit. But anyway, so, you know, looking ahead, we have a couple more games left, three more games. We just got to get our game together. I don't know what's going to work. I, I trust Claude. People have been criticizing him, but I think that, you know, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go to the playoffs. We're going to have some time to, to collect our thoughts. These games might be the games where we collect our thoughts, bring up some AHL guys, kind of relax, because we already clinched the playoff spot. So, um, you know, hopefully they can turn it around. But, uh, you know, that's all we really have time for for the Bruins. Um, but, uh you know, going going back to uh, going back to uh, the past couple of weeks for the Boston community, it's it's been kind of crazy. And um, you know, I know that we uh, put out a post last week when it happened, um, yeah. expressing our condolences and our sending our thoughts and prayers to uh, the victims and people who are, who are affected by it. And uh, I think that the fact that we are so strong right now, and you see the Boston Strong organization. Uh, doing so well and you see how people in the community have been you know bound together that uh you know we we've we've definitely persevered and we've been resilient through this so uh yeah. you know that was that was awesome to see and i love my city and i'm glad that uh this is all you know going to be a, a memory now so right exactly i mean uh for people that don't know we didn't do a show last week simply for the fact uh to out of respect for the victims and their families and stuff like that. It, we just, it just didn't seem right to talk about, um, you know, Boston sports at that time. So there you go. That's why, that's why we weren't on last week. It wasn't because of Scott and I fighting or anything. So, um, oh, but, um, I think so, that, I think uh, the one thing that we've learned is that Boston is a resilient city. You don't mess with us. So oh, uh, listen, Boston's the only place that you could do something stu- as stupid as that and have the entire, you have the entire city on lockdown because they're gonna find you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but you know, glad that everyone is, but you know, resilient. I remember we mentioned resiliency, the resiliency of Boston sports, and we clearly see the resiliency of the Boston people. So, um, you know, we made it. This is just a memory now. We're gonna move on as a as a community. It's gonna be good. Absolutely. 
All right, guys, uh, that's all we have time for this week. So I'd just like to thank you guys for tuning in, and please make sure you go to listen to our good friends Jonathan Raggis and Michael McShay on Fan Junkies Radio, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Also, tune in to 5 Minutes at the Frat House with Michael McShay at, uh, on Saturday at 3 p.m. Follow us on Twitter at Sports Blaga and like us on Facebook. We really need the, the likes and the follows. Um, so thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.